How would you like to learn new skills and face exciting new challenges by becoming a medic in the Royal Air Force? RAF Medical Services offer a wide variety of roles with great benefits and exciting opportunities. I'm Lucy Coward and I've been talking to doctors, nurses, dentists and physiotherapists about what life is like in the RAF. These are no ordinary medics. They're trained to care for sick or injured military personnel and civilians, sometimes in areas of conflict both on the ground and in the air. This time I'm joined by RAF dentists Penelope and Fiona, who tell me it's given them experiences that they could never have imagined. Penelope started by explaining why being a military dentist is a perfect match for her. So I suppose for me, um, I'd always been interested in the military all the way through school, um, history, GCSE and the way that we are a sovereign nation and we protect our land, seas and sky. So I had that sort of niggle at the back of my mind for years. And then when I went to university in Dundee, the university is quite close to RAF Lucas that was at the time. So I always saw the jets flying around and actually that just instilled um, immense enthusiasm and it just never went away. So five years into general practice, I decided, do you know, I'm going to go and have a look at this. Best thing I've ever done, because in terms of the dental delivery, there's no cost implication for the patient. So unlike when you go to your general practice and you have to pay a bill at the end of your visit, our patients don't have to do that. So Fiona and myself can deliver the highest standard of dentistry, having a good chat with the patient about all their options they can then pick the option that suits them best and we can deliver that to a high standard. So the clinical freedom was the main thing for me, as well as that desire to serve Queen and Country. Fiona, you made a switch, didn't you? Because you didn't start out with the idea of being a dentist. So I originally, after school, went to university in Cardiff and did a degree in neuroscience. At that age, I wasn't really 100% sure what I wanted to do. Um, I knew science was sort of my preferred area (laughs) of interest. So I went and did neuroscience, um, loved it, but was probably in towards my second year you know, I was starting to think, oh, what am I What am I going to do with this? A lot of people on the course went into medicine or research, but dentistry had always been an idea, um, but I didn't feel ready to sort of commit to it um, straight after school. Went and did loads of work experience and decided, yeah, it's for me. And then found myself on a graduate entry course. So it was four years rather than five. So I think my story, it was sort of dentistry first, really. And then the military option was presented to me whilst I was at whilst I was studying dentistry um, by our seafaring colleagues because the Navy came in and did a presentation about being a dentist in the military and it just sparked my interest it seemed like a really interesting way of delivering dentistry like I, I don't think until you actually practice how we do in the military you appreciate how enjoyable it makes the job and so yeah from there I just went I actually spent a few days at RAF Valley and at an army base up in Northumbria just to sort of see what it was like day to day and thought yeah no this is for me and again not really looked back since. Because I guess it's important to to say that it's not just dentistry there are so many roles in the RAF that you may that one may not consider. Penelope what is it about being a dentist in the RAF rather than the NHS that has kept you coming back for 13 years? No day is ever like the next or the previous. 
you know, there's always staffing challenges and change in practice wherever you work. But I see the fact that we move around sort of every two years on average as a real treat, I suppose. So for me, that flexibility of where I'm living and working is actually a real positive. I know when I do the recruitment interviews, people say, oh, that's going to be the hardest thing is moving around. But for me, I've lived in places that I would have never thought about settling down and seen certain parts of the country again that I wouldn't have lived in. The fact that you've got a constantly evolving patient base. So again, in the same way that we move, our patients do, does make it slightly difficult for continuity and to see how your work from 10 years ago is getting on because you don't see those patients very often for long-term care. So you might see them for four years or you might end up following each other around, which is also quite nice because you do get to catch up with them again. But it's not always guaranteed. The other part of it is, as I say, it's completely dynamic. So you're walking one day and maybe another dental centre now down the road, their dentist has gone skiing and broken an arm or a leg or something like that. And they, you're asked to go and help cover. So you go and work with another team and you pick up fresh ideas from them. They pick up fresh ideas from you. It's basically like a big group of us that then we sort of move around and we've got a little bit of a larger team ethos and drive. I think they're the, the real positives, other than the fact that we also get the opportunity to, to deploy. So, for example, the Falklands, I know there's obviously some of the cruises that go around the Falklands, but it's not somewhere people would automatically go on holiday. So I've been fortunate enough to go out there twice. And I know Fiona's been out as well. It's really unique and you deliver dentistry in a different environment. And also you see the families of our service personnel as well. I've also been out to Akateri, so that, that was during Operation Shader. So again, focused mainly on that operational aspects. The station was very busy. It reminded you why you joined and what we're there for. Can you talk me through what happens when you arrive somewhere like that? You arrive somewhere new. How do you go about essentially building your life for the next few weeks, months I found it surprisingly easy. I don't know whether it, the, the team that are there before you, you have a period of time where they're also there. So there's an overlap. And certainly my experience was very welcoming when I went. They showed you around. You, you got to learn where everything was in the mess. Within the camp, obviously, everything's quite self-contained. So the famous Death Star corridor, <laughs> once you've worked out what everything is on there. Yeah, I felt quite at home when I got out there. What's the um, Death Star was- corridor? So it's, I mean, I think at one point it was like the longest corridor in the world. But um, I think because of the lovely weather conditions down in the Falklands, as much as possible of sort of the living accommodation side was kept inside and linked by a corridor. Everything is, you know, from the messes to the gym to the little cafe. But yeah, it's just one big long corridor. <laughs> so it's quite difficult to get lost because it's all, it's all attached. And what about setting up your practice I suppose in a way, Lucy, without making it sound um, a little bit mundane, one dental centre is like another dental centre. We set up in a similar way wherever we are, whether we're UK or overseas. We follow the same SOPs, so the same protocols. So wherever you are, you're following the same rule book of how you deliver dentistry and how you work and how you look after your patient safety, your staff, staff safety and your healthcare governance. So you, you arrive and it's a different room. I'd say that the um, the one difference is, as Fiona sort of alluded to in that, is that you've got everything combined and you've got all the facilities in Falklands sort of joined by that corridor. But all the people that are there, all the service people that are there, are joined by the same camaraderie because they're all in the same situation. Everyone's deployed or the vast majority of people are deployed for four to six months. So you just find a different team to work with. And I think the people that end up having the interest in the military 
wanting to join have got that key common ground where you walk into a room and you just start a conversation with people because you know you've got that background of oh well we're here together where where are you based normally so it's a really nice environment to walk into it certainly doesn't make you feel overwhelmed the first time you do it you, you wonder what it's going to be like but then after that first time you just it's just a different location to deliver dentistry and Fiona's just going through this um, because she moved from RAF Marham to RAF Agium and actually she hasn't actually made it to Agium as yet <laughs> because it's been refurbished so she's been off seeing the other side of military delivery, treating the army at Sandhurst. It's something you get used to being sort of picked up and moved somewhere else. It's relatively easy. Um, and the benefits are you get to meet more people, work with people at different dental centres, but within your region. So it just helps you just even if it's just increasing our awareness of what our colleagues and what our patients do. And what would you say in the last five years for you have been the skills that you've picked up that have surprised you or pleased you the most? Oh, good question. Adaptability definitely, I think it becomes something you're doing without even realising, whether it is just moving with the sort of normal posting churn or if it's being asked to go and cover at another dental centre covid was a prime example things were changing weekly daily hourly at times as sort of cliche as it sounds your sort of management and leadership skills there is a lot in addition to delivering our sort of primary clinical role there is a lot more to sort of the administrative side the hr side that you get involved in and are ultimately responsible for so those sorts of skills definitely get put to the test um, from my point of view, well, over the past five years, one of the massive benefits of being in the armed forces is that if you want to do a postgraduate course, you can. So um, often you can get sponsorship for that as well if you're successful at selection. Uh, Fiona's done a postgraduate certificate in periodontology. I've done a postgraduate master's in primary dental care. I'd say that that's sort of my big academic achievement of the past five years. When you're in general practice, um, as Fiona and I both have been, you don't get paid on the days that you don't work. So getting the opportunity to do a postgraduate qualification where your tuition fees are paid and you're earning while you're also on the course, is um, it really does make it very golden. Fiona's right. The leadership and management, I always remember when I joined being told that we were an RAF officer first and a dentist second. I definitely think those two roles merge I spend the vast majority of my time now as regional senior dental officer of East Region, carrying out more of the management and leadership roles and less of the clinical delivery. Essentially by looking after, so I've got eight dental centres that I look after and support. So if they have staff shortages, we try and resolve those. I do all their recruitment for them. So making sure that we're getting the job adverts out and I do their interviews as well manage uh, temporary healthcare worker budgets with them so that again we're getting um, staff looked after and getting them the, re the relevant um, support that they need. That's been quite a learning curve because it's not just looking after your local team it's looking after people on the other end of Skype or on the other end of a phone call so it's that awareness and looking after a bigger team um, that I'd say is the biggest thing that I've learned in the past five years. Yeah it's a very different dynamic than having that face-to-face -face and a very different dynamic again to um, removing yourself from an office completely and being somewhere in the field. Can you tell me what challenges particularly you can encounter when you're out, when you're deployed? So you've got a mixture of either 
your dental side or your people side, starting, I'd say, with the clinical, uh, things can go wrong. So uh, things can break. And if you're deployed and you haven't got support for that equipment, then that can take longer to repair. For example, wherever we work, we've got a compressor that um, basically supports our chairs and our hand pieces so that we've got power to do the work that we do. Say you're in the Falklands, as you're aware, that's sort of a day's journey to get there. You've also got to activate that team back in the UK to come out, the specialist to come out and fix your compressor if it breaks. You can be without a working dental centre for a week, maybe more in some cases, especially if you need parts and extra support. So we are lucky in the fact that we've got deployable units as well that are down at Bryce Norton, the tactical medical wing, that we can sometimes utilise to just to help with those clinical failure elements. But as I say, that happens anywhere. You could be sat in a dental centre anywhere in the UK and something break and you need to get it repaired. It just is complicated a little bit more when you're when you deployed um, places like Afghanistan. And then team, people are people and they can always have welfare issues that need line management support. The dental officer normally as the team leader will be the person that, manage that manages that situation doesn't happen very often, but as I say, you just can never predict what happens when you're deployed and you've got your family at home. So that's always something that Fiona and I will both acutely be aware of, making sure that the team are looked after, their welfare's our priority. I have to say that the military is absolutely phenomenal at getting people returned from deployments if they need to return for a family emergency. I can hear the pride. And that's, I think that's a wonderful thing because you want to be proud of what you do. You want to be proud of who you're working for. What's the most memorable moment that you've had? Hopefully we'll de-conflict this, Fiona. <laughs> oh, I don't, I don't know, Matt. I was about we, to say this might, might be a shared one. memory. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I, I worked with mom at, at Marham and um, I may steal this memory, I'm afraid. We were very fortunate enough to meet the Queen and have lunch in the same room as her. So, yeah, I mean, that hands down, if anyone was to ask me, I mean, there was there was no tears, but there was certainly a lot of nervous energy, nervous, excited energy in the room before we got to meet her. It was it was an amazing experience. And it, especially I feel actually especially lucky looking back on it now because it was I mean it was February 2020 so it was sort of the last time she appeared in public for quite a long time. Yes um, it's <laughs> definitely one of the highlights of, of my career because obviously as I said to you before I joined um, because I had that drive to serve Queen and Country so I actually when I started to introduce the group to Her Majesty after she'd finished I looked at my watch heart rate monitor on the watch and literally, I could have been running a half marathon at the time because my heart rate was so high. I was so nervous. It was it was an amazing experience. I think, though, um, to deconflict from Fiona's example, which, as I say, both of us hold as one of those memories that will never, ever leave us, is when I was deployed in Afghanistan, I visited a forward operating base. And this young soldier came in. He'd um, come in from a patrol base further out. So he'd walked in with his um, troop. And he said, oh, I've got a lump in my mouth. Could you have a look at it? And most people, when they come and see the dentist and they've got a lump, it's something relatively benign. It's an ulcer or something like that. And you don't worry too much about it. But this young guy, 19, had walked in with a lump in his mouth, the size of a golf ball in his palate. Um, He actually did have cancer. And I think if I look back on my military career, yes, meeting the Queen was amazing. But my role as a military dentist in a deployable role is absolutely cemented by this individual. 
because I brought them back from this forward operating base back to Bastion. And we scanned them because the Roll One Hospital is absolutely phenomenal that you have there. Um, I remember doing root canal treatment on patients within an operating theatre who were having um, treatment elsewhere on their body by a doctor at the same time. We had a really good combined treatment um, pathway for our patients with the hospital. So this, this particular soldier came back with me. His lymph nodes lit up on the scan. Quite a difficult scan to do because we had to get into position in a certain way with his tongue pressed against the roof of his mouth so we could have a look at this, what was going on. And um, he got a large cancerous tumour in the roof of his mouth. So I took him back to the dental centre after we'd got the results and broke the knees to him. And I remember him saying to me, but what my lad's going to do, he wasn't bothered about him. He didn't want to leave his mates behind because he would leave a gap within that team. And that really hit me because my role as a dentist to make sure he was fit and well was sort of overtaken by his desire to do his job. And I think it just really resonated that impact of people's drive to fulfill their role and their military career. So um, he came back to the UK anyway, and he had an operation, quite a significant operation, and it was fine. It came back benign, but it was a very large tumour, and he survived and is still still with us today. But it really did, that, that whole experience cemented why I joined the Air Force, why I'm an RAF dentist, and why we have deployable dental services, because if it hadn't have been for that chance encounter, that guy could have carried on for another year or so, and the outcome would have been worse. Um, you do not turn up to work at nine till five, five days a week to the same place, to the same group of patients, to the same staff. Um, it is a lifestyle. You're asked to move around more regularly. You're asked to do jobs that you wouldn't necessarily have signed up for, but it's a great opportunity. It's always the thing that I say when I'm doing the recruiting um, in the first sort of presentation is it's a lifestyle. And I think you get that feeling from certain people you get a feeling from some people that they, they want a job, they want to be a dentist. And then you get a feeling from others that they want to travel. They want to um, get involved with the military side of things. Um, admittedly, dentists are uh, notoriously not amazing when they have to uh, handle rifles, etc. And we didn't have to do it very often, I have to say. But um, occasionally, you might have to um, take a weapon with you somewhere. And that's a very different side to what you'd normally do in an everyday job as a dentist. You wouldn't ever carry around a rifle. But for four months in Afghanistan, I did. It went everywhere with me, toilet, shower, everywhere. So if you think you fit that sort of mould of wanting to do different things on a daily or uh, weekly basis and that change to where you're living and your patient base, challenges academically with uh, the extra courses that I mentioned, then it might be for you. Are you up to the challenge? RAF Medical Services is actively recruiting now. To find out more about becoming a medic in the Royal Air Force, search Royal Air Force Medical Services. Royal Air Force. No ordinary job.